T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Joe Schnelli. Are you a college football fan? I know you're a pro football fan. A little bit, yes. I'm not. Like, when, when uh, I'm from Connecticut originally. When the Yukon Huskies, for like a minute, got kind of good and like ranked in the top 25 a few times, I paid attention to it, and I still watch them whenever they're on TV, wherever I happen to be living. Overall, though, I, you know, you're from the Northeast. I'm from the Northeast. We don't have many good college football teams up yeah, there. I'm a Syracuse fan, and we beat Clemson, Ugh. so we had one game this season. That's all yeah, I cared about. Yeah, that was the only one. And Syracuse is an interesting team that's had it's had its good years. I mean, it had its great years in the Jim Brown, Ernie Davis era. But other than that, uh, it's a garbage school. Everybody knows that. The University of Connecticut is so much better than Syracuse. Uh, look at your basketball team. You've got, like, one title. UConn's got, like, three just for the men. I mean, the competition is, uh, it's really not even a competition. It's like comparing LeBron James to, I don't know, some child on the playground who's never seen a basketball before. I will say Syracuse is probably the best <laughs> university for, for veterans, actually. It's an Yeah, and of course, I'm kidding. It's just the old, you know, from back in the days when the Big East was a thing, uh, and it still is, but in a, in a different way, UConn and uh, Syracuse were perhaps the greatest college basketball hated rivalry. Oh, and the Huskies hated, hated the Orange. And you guys always had just the biggest jerks, Eric Dievendorf, Jerry McNamara, like I always just had these kids that I would be like, it's just not a good person. Of course, if he was on my team, I would have been like, he's great. What are you talking about? Coach knew how to pick him. Yeah. Coach, sure. coach Bayheim, <laughs> which coach Bayheim and coach Calhoun, who are apparently very good friends, but man, the two of them. Oh boy. Uh, speaking of pro football, my condolences. Uh, first off that your team lost, second off that you had to watch that painful game between Jacksonville and Buffalo. You know, we're looking forward to the rematch. They're coming up to Buffalo next year. Uh, they won't notice a difference in fans since there were more Bills fans in that stadium than there were Jacksonville fans this past weekend. But we're, <laughs> That's uh, often the case in Jacksonville. <laughs> we're very happy to have made the playoffs. and For yeah. the first time in uh, uh, 64 Seven. years, I think it was. I was last watched, time they watched their OJ last playoff playing. game when I was I was a Lance Corporal in 1999 in oh, Camp Pendleton in the barracks. Yeah. Oh boy! Like the, who was the quarterback in that 99 team for the Bills? I don't even. It was remember. Rob Johnson. It should have been Doug Flutie. So oh, that's right. You Doug had Doug Flutie, Flutie, Flutie for, us for a while. 17 years. Oh my God! And then you had Drew Bledsoe. I remember one year that you guys like started off hot and everybody was like, "There they go!" And then you watch me and you go, "Nope, nope, there they go." We've had close to 30 quarterbacks in those 17 years. The Browns have had close to that in the last two. So you know you're not as bad as the Browns could be. actually having a quarterback. Yeah. Well, you remember that Robert Griffin the third. See, I remember him from college. He was at Baylor at the time that UConn was actually kind of good, and they played against Baylor two straight years. They beat him the first time, and then Baylor won the second time, but I watched him and was like, oh, this kid is good. And I thought, you know, he'll probably be an okay pro quarterback because along with being able to run, he's got a great arm, and in the NFL, got to be able to throw, not just run. In the veteran 
advocacy world. You need to be able to run, throw, punt, kick, pass, tackle, all those good things. And that's what AMVETS does under Executive Director Joe Chanelli, who, of course, joins us live in studio, uh, still in a period of mourning for his Buffalo Bills. You can't see him, but I assure you he's wearing uh, all black. He's got a veil on. It's very it's very uh, solemn right now. <laughs> Doing something special. That's what it is. Theater of the mind. Just kidding. He's wearing a nice light blue AMVETS shirt. So we're here to talk with Joe for the first time in 2018 about what's taking place around the world of veterans and vets is focused on. And the first thing that we're going to talk about, you know, we had Hill vets on, on Tuesday before this announcement came out and they said, Hey, there's a mystery announcement coming from the president. It's related to veterans, but we don't know what it is. It's since come out with that executive order that came out that addresses veteran transition, specifically as it relates to suicide and mental health care. What can you tell us about this executive order and how you feel about it? So, as you said, it's an executive order which allows many veterans, not all, as has been said, many veterans, um, full access to VA health, mental health care, also uh, TRICARE uh, mental health care um, for the first year after they leave. Um, the, the statistics that they've put out, and they're, they're doing a lot of research on this, and we're, we're happy for that. The statistics say that a veteran in that first year is hugely more likely to die by suicide and once they've made it through that uh, first year, uh, we know the largest demographic of veterans who are actually dying by suicide yeah. are actually um, getting closer to senior citizen age. Um, but of the veterans who do die by suicide, it's about it's about a quarter of them die in that first year. Mm. Um, so this is definitely a demographic that we do need extra help for. Um, we really like the idea of this. Um, but it, there's a big difference between an executive order and a bill signed into law. Yeah. Um, a bill signed into law, of course, takes a long time, but that's because you're going to fully develop the idea, the, the, some of the policies and the funding. Uh, this executive order doesn't have any of that. Um, what the executive order does, it says VA and DOD and Department of Homeland Security, because of the Coast Guard, needs right. to be included in this, and it's the right thing to do. Of course, it, it says... The three of you need to get together and you have 90 days to create a comprehensive, seamless plan so that all of these veterans and Coast Guardsmen, as they come out of the military, will go right into this plan. Right. Uh, it does not address funding. And I don't know that 90 days is going to be enough for this. Uh, we're certainly uh, buckling down and ready to help. Um, when you talked earlier about you know when, when Justin Brown from Hill Vets was in here, he talked about it being a surprise. It was a surprise to all of us. As a matter of fact, I had reporters calling me on Monday night or Tuesday night uh, and Monday night and, and saying, you know, what's this thing tomorrow? Like, wish we knew. Yeah, nobody knew. <laughs> and, uh, I think it's unfortunate that we didn't know, um, but that's just the nature of an executive order instead of a bill, like I said. This seems to me, because there isn't um, anything tied to it directly as far as like funding or direct or it's it's almost like it's it's meant to put pressure on the VA DOD they know this is an issue you're the ones who are going to have to deal with it you come up with this plan and you have this amount of time it's almost like you know it, executive order with the emphasis on order where it's the president giving an order like hey you have this amount of time to come up with a plan I don't know what it is that's your job is that kind of what this thing seems like to you yes and that's actually pretty typical for this administration uh, the administration has been very direct and saying hey you've got to accomplish something and I mean they have goals that they have to accomplish every week over mm -hmm. the VAI I haven't seen something like that before uh, I think as positive there of course there's there's risk there too when you're you're pushing things through so fast, but 
this is something that um, is very critical and needs to be addressed quickly. And, uh, you know, Secretary Shulkin was right there, uh, you know, an inch from the secretary's shoulders. He signed this. He's fully aware of this. Um, we have known something about this for a couple months that this has been in the works. Um, we didn't know exactly how it would look and that we didn't know it was going to be an executive order. Right. Um, you know, the bottom line is it's got to be fast and it's going to take a lot of work and we're ready to, we're ready to help with that. You know, and there is a lot of work to be done. And when this one, it, what confused me about it when I heard about it coming out is the fact that, you know, as uh, you're uh, an OEF veteran like myself, where when you get out, you have uh, seven years minimum of, of uh, care through the VA, just general health care, like going for uh, appointments, checkups, things like that. Uh, for non-theater uh, veterans, I think it's five years that they get. But specialized care, like mental health care in particular in this case, if there's not a service-connected thing to it, that's not necessarily included in that that care when you get out. So I assume that it would be, but it turns out not the case, right? So in that seven years, um, two things. One, you have to be a combat veteran or right. a veteran in a, a theater. Um, this is for everyone, and that's really important because we're finding a, a large percentage of those who are dying by suicide are not actually combat veterans. Mm. Um it's it's not we actually don't see combat veterans being more susceptible to uh suicide and mental health issues um it's it's fairly evenly spread um the other thing is when we're talking about the seven it is a kind of a, a limited uh package it's not every deal like i don't get dental I, that was one thing that right. i actually could have used i had a tooth break and i was like can i get this tooth fixed and they said sure you can but not here sure dental <laughs> and caregiver uh benefits as well um, you're right. Specialized. You you can get some of that stuff um, right. if it's uh, referrals. Yeah. Is basically how it works. Uh, this will not require referrals uh, for this mental health care. Um, the other thing on this too is that this is not for veterans who are kicked out of the military or leaving with uh, OTH. You know, right? Less than honorable, honorable less than honorable. Um, but it's really important for those veterans to know, and I'm sure you have some listeners who are in, the, in, in that case. Mm. Um, of course, and I remember yesterday when you we were speaking with Legion, talked about how they can um, address that. Oh, yeah. You know? We have a great story on Connecting Vets, which, uh, you know, for all the stories that we've done, I've gotten more personal response because my email is on every story that I write. I've gotten more personal response to that OTH discharge upgrade story through the, the American Legion than any other one with people contacting me, sometimes asking questions like, it's in the story, dude. <laughs> Just read it, and it'll tell you. But I'm oh, always not, more than happy to respond, and it, it's, it's an issue. Headlines only. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I mean, when you're asking me, like, who do I contact about this American Legion other than honorable? There's two email addresses in the story. Just send it to either one of them. But uh, you know, always happy to to respond to those. But seriously, it's a big issue. Sure. So getting your discharge upgraded, it's a process. Not everyone's successful in that process. Nope. Uh, and we have veterans who die by suicide while they're in that process. So it's really important, and we can't say this enough, if no matter what type of discharge you have, if you have a mental health crisis, if you feel you're in crisis, if you feel you need help, go to a vet center, go to a VA medical center, um, go to the emergency room, uh, even at a private hospital. But if you go to a, a vet center or a VAMC, even regardless of your type of discharge, they're going to see you. And this bill doesn't change that. Uh, this bill, or I'm sorry, this executive order, the president called it a bill, but yeah, the executive order um, does not does not need to address that because that program's already in place. It has been for almost a year now. Right, and that's something where if it's, it's an emergency situation and you need help, you go in, they're not going to turn you away. It doesn't matter 
what kind of discharge you have. If you're a veteran, you go to a VA facility. Uh, if you're having any sort of mental health issue, get someplace and get someplace as soon as you can and talk to somebody. There are plenty of places out there that you can go. It's just making that decision to go to them and take that first step. I, you know, we've talked to a lot of people uh, on the show who have had issues with mental health who you know, eventually made it through. Thankfully, obviously they're talking to us, but you know, it was, uh, either reaching out for that help, taking the first step towards it or having people basically just force help upon them. I can think of a couple Marines in particular who, when their fellow Marines found out they were having issues, just kind of showed up because that's kind of what Marines do. Right. Um, so it we're works. talking with Joe Chanelli, Marine Corps veteran and executive director of AMVETS about the new items for 2018 really not even new items for the most part. It's dealing with stuff that carries over year to year. And the next one we want to talk about is predatory lenders. The VA renewing a focus to take down predatory lenders. If you have a VA home loan, as I understand it, I don't, we're renters as it stands right now. There's tons of mailings and calls for people telling them to like refinance and all that other stuff. Now, what exactly is going on with this issue and why is it a problem for VA home loaners? Well, banks and mortgage brokers out there, they absolutely love the VA home loan plan. This is guaranteed, basically. It's guaranteed money, even if the people fail, right? Right. It's guaranteed. And, you know, if you have a, if you're a combat veteran or if you have a service connected disability, um, the VA will cover the fees as well. And that's even if you keep refinancing over and over. Mm. And so with these mailers and anyone, I think pretty much anyone who has a VA home loan, uh, that becomes public record um, that you have a, because you're using federal assistance, right. even though it's a, a benefit that we've all earned, uh, you become public record. And all these banks are out there and they're getting these uh, name lists and they just, they'll just hammer you with yeah. solicitations. And it's really difficult for the veteran to and decipher what's a good idea, what's a bad idea, who's legitimate, who's not quite legitimate. I mean, they're all legitimate yeah. to some aspect. Well, and most of the companies that are doing this are companies that are recognized names and things like that. It's it's not like, you know, Joe and Eric's uh, home refinance, and you're not getting too many of those. You're getting them from respected companies who are doing something that uh, it might not be illegal, but it also might not be the best thing for the veteran community, you know? Right. And so they're running up high fees that the government's paying, and it's really hurting this whole program, um, but it's putting veterans in bad places that continue to push the restart button on their mortgage. Mm. Um, a lot of times when they do the refi, it doesn't actually help them. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, the VA mortgage doesn't require you to put anything down. So it seems like it's easy, uh, but in fact, you're just digging the hole deeper and deeper. Uh, and so the VA is going to come out there with better outreach. They're going to really look for those, um, those mortgage brokers who are out there just nonstop doing this and mm. shut them down. Uh, and I think it's a key thing. Um, again, this might be addressed in an executive order. Uh, it may be addressed in a leg in legislation. I'm expecting an executive order on this. Uh, so again, it's going to be something quick um, and hoping the planning and hoping that they're inclusive with uh, the VSOs on this since we are hearing from our veterans all the time on, on, on the challenges of knowing what's right and what's wrong, what's right. the best What's the best plan here? Yeah. And is there anything that AMVETS provides to their membership or veterans in general as far as if they want to reach out and find out like, hey, I got this in the mail. What's the deal with this? Is this a good idea? Not a good idea? I mean, I guess that would fall on, under some sort of financial counseling almost. but Right. And so we don't offer financial counseling per se, We but do we do 
have our service officers out there who right. are experts in the different resources that are available to veterans. And so that's who we'd want you to reach out to. Uh, we're working on something uh, really exciting that we'll, we'll talk about here on the show in a, you know, with you in probably about a month or so, mm. uh, of better ways for people to communicate with our service officers and make us more, more accessible. Very cool. Um, and this is going to be a benefit that we're looking to be able to provide a, you know, a resource to be able to provide. And that's something the VA is going to help us with and help the other organizations with as well. You know, as we talk about the VA, there has been movement recently in one direction when it comes to marijuana, particularly marijuana as used for medicinal slash therapeutic purposes. Because it's a Schedule One narcotic, which is insane. Again, if I, when I say things like that, I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, this guy's probably just a pothead on his spare time. No, haven't touched the stuff. You know, it's, it's not my thing. Not really interested in it. But I've done enough of the research on it to want to know and be educated to know that the fact that it is a Schedule One narcotic, which means when something's Schedule One, that it can't be used for testing for medical purposes because there is no medical purpose. Well, we know that there it's helped some people, uh, quite a few people with, uh, you know, increasing appetite, with dealing with pain, uh, and it's been known for quite a while, but the federal government still has it as Schedule One. Because of that, VA doctors were not even allowed to discuss it with patients officially. Now, were there some that may have been discussing it with patients eh, quietly in an appointment? Sure, I'm sure that there were, but now they're able to do so without fear of repercussions. However, comma, the Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, former Senator, now Attorney General, who's been quoted as saying things such as, good people don't smoke marijuana. Uh, he's also been quoted as saying that uh, marijuana is just a little bit less dangerous than heroin. I don't know anybody who's died of a marijuana overdose in the history of the world, but hey, what do I know? Um, he has now rescinded guidance that came during the Obama administration that said basically that the federal government would not interfere with states that decided they wanted to legalize it, decriminalize it, and other things like that, which has been a growing movement in this country. Surveys show that the vast majority of Americans support uh, the legalization for medical purposes. It's like over 90%. For general purposes, it's over 70%. I'm waiting until the first politician runs on a pro-legalization ticket and actually wins from a major party. But he rescinded that, and now the federal government, it looks like, is going to get involved or have – we need to also clarify what, what this actually means. There's a lot of people out there, alarmists, saying, like, they're going to go after everybody. No, it's not necessarily it. What he is now saying is that the federal government can choose, that those federal prosecutors, federal agents have the agency to choose when they want to enforce federal raw laws on marijuana, regardless of whether it's legal in the state or not. How this relates to veterans is, one, a lot of veterans who are uh, dealing with various issues using it for medicinal purposes, wanting to discuss it with their doctors. Well, if the doctor is a federal employee because they're at the VA, does this mean that this could be a crime for them? So, all right, we've talked to some people about this, want to get your opinion on it as well. Do veterans have something to fear with this new federal guideline on the uh, the marijuana enforcement, essentially, particularly when it comes to discussing it with their doctor at the VA? So we went right to the VA central office here in Washington about this. Um, same exact reason. And we foresaw the concern and we've gotten the concern from our um, members. And the answer is no. And it's the uh, over the Christmas break, there was a directive that came out from the uh, acting on Undersecretary for Health in the VA, uh, Dr. Uh, Carol Clancy, and she said veterans 
um, should be discussing this with their providers, including their VA providers who are federal employees and are bound by federal law. But there's, this is what's in the best interest of the veteran's health to have the doctor fully informed of, of what this veteran is, is consuming. Right. Um, and in some of these states, it's legal by, by state law. And regardless of whether you're in one of those states or not, if this is something that you are using or considering using, you should speak with your doctor about it. Your doctor uh, is not going to call the police on you. They're not going to take away your benefits. They're not going to kick you out of the hospital. They're going to be the, wearing in, a wire. In the, right. Not, <laughs> and these are, and they're not going to tell anyone. One, they can't because of um, doctor client privilege. Right. Yeah. You've got HIPAA, which, you know, the, our health privacy laws here. Um, second, the doctors want what's best for the patient. And so they need to know what's going on with the patient. And, it's, it's what's smart, and we're very happy that the VA put the uh, directive out. Wasn't real happy that a uh, spokesperson for the VA came out and kind of countered that, but that's kind of this policy versus politics thing that's happening everywhere yeah. in our government. Um, bottom line is veterans don't need to worry about it. Um, veterans should definitely, and even they should bring it up. Um, the doctors, the VA doctors, what this directive did, actually said you should encourage your veteran to speak about it, ask your veteran about it. Um, even if your doctor doesn't ask you about it, you should bring it up. If even if you're just considering it, um, be, whether it's medication or therapy, there's there might be things that could counteract or uh, mix bad or some things that might uh, actually do better for you. Uh, and it, we know there's VA doctors out there, particularly in states where this is legal, who will encourage uh, veterans to explore this as an option. And uh, and vets backed by our members of resolutions fully support um, the doctors being able to discuss this. And we fully support and really call for the VA to do some meaningful research on medicinal marijuana. And uh, Dr. Clancy's told us that the VA doctors are actively seeking grants now to be able to do that kind of research. Mm. That's a huge step forward. Um, that was all before uh, Jeff Sessions um, letter, but another take on that, I think is that, um, why would Congress change the law if the if the president said I'm not going to enforce the law anyway? Might right. as well just leave the law in the books. So this could be, and I think this will be, something that will spur Congress into action to take away the, the federal limitations and right. stop uh, marijuana from being outlawed by federal law. This is something that should be decided by the states. And when it's got the kind of support that it does from the population, which think is indicative of older generations uh, leaving us i mean that's that's a big part of it because there was a time where it was you know it was just common knowledge that basically marijuana and heroin were basically the same thing i mean it's it's changed over time perception has changed uh, william randolph hearst is no longer uh, with us either pushing his yellow journalism on you know reefer madness and all the horrible things that it makes you do uh so yeah interesting stuff well we've been talking with joe chanelli executive director of amvets and we have one last subject that we want to touch on very briefly someone who's i'm sure near and dear to your heart the commandant of the marine corps told Marines training in Norway, probably up by Stavanger, where I've been, I know that place, that a war is coming and to be ready for a, quote, big-ass fight. Now, the president has said since, like, there's no big-ass fight coming and stuff that. But hearing that and then hearing the uh, senior enlisted advisor to chairman of the Joint Chiefs General Joseph Dumford, Sergeant Major John Troxell, Command Sergeant Major John Troxell, uh, in a Facebook post 
telling ISIS that they have two options. What were the options that he gave them, Joe? To to give up or you're, you're going to be killed by American service members, and that could up, include up to being beat to death by an e-tool. Yes. And uh, the photo that he used in his Facebook <laughs> post sending this message to troops was actually a, a soldier holding a e-tool, which I love my e-tool, and I have one in my car right now. I don't need to there carry a, a knife that might get me in trouble. So. <laughs> For those who are unaware, the e-tool is a all-purpose military tool that it can be used as a club, a shovel, a knife, a saw. It's all those things in one. It's really the Swiss army knife of military utilities. And, you know, strong words coming out of them. We'll see exactly what comes out of that. Uh, but interesting to hear some of our military leaders using such strong terms. Now, Joe, if people want to find out more about AMVETS, more about what you guys are doing, where do they go? So please uh, visit us at AMVETS.org. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.